Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Suzanne Silverstein, president of 20-year-old denim brand Seven for All Mankind. The company helped fuel the premium denim trend in the early 2000s and has recently focused on sustainability, inclusivity, and joggers. I wanted to ask Suzanne how the brand has managed to stay true to its DNA and what she expects for the future of denim. Welcome, Suzanne. Hi, Jill. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Talk denim. Joggers, denim, joggers, denim. Are you doing it all? Well, we're, we're, we're doing it all and we're adapting. Um, I, I like to say we're meeting the customer where they are. So um, obviously, um, everyone's life, lives have changed in the last um, eight to nine months. So what the customer has been looking for is comfort. Um, so, you know, most of our jeans provide tremendous comfort, you know, stretchy material, comfort stretch. Um, and of course, I think we have the best fit in the industry. But um, we really felt that we were missing this key fit, the jogger. So we did what we call what we call fast track. And we fast tracked, um, we will have five SKUs. We have three live right now and another two are coming um, to, again, meet the customer. They are um, elastic waist, um, forgiving fit. Um, and actually the first um, two SKUs um, that were live are um, more like a jogger straight. So there's not a traditional jogger elastic bottom, um, but a straight leg. And it is so comfortable. We're selling through um, at a double digit rate, which means very quickly. Um, so the customers are obviously responding to, um, to this fit and to what it provides, which is, you know, a, a great, comfortable, um, sort of work from home, maybe casual outdoor drinks, um, bottom. Yeah. When you say fast track, how fast are we talking? Um, pretty fast. So we executed in about six weeks. Um, you know, our typical process is um, longer, um, but we um, selected fabrics we already owned and um, a pattern that just required some tweaks. So it's an existing pattern. Um, so there, those are the ways that we were able to cut some of the lead time. Um, so we had to get creative. And in addition to these fast track SKUs, um, we had two that were on the line for spring and we're fast tracking another three given the response to these these initial styles. So, um, you know, like I said, we're meeting the customer where they are and, and adapting and really, you know, getting creative, trying to do things differently, you know, than we have before and sort of challenging the status quo. We have the same, um, we're going through the same process for um, response to some men's business that's happening as well. Um, so as long as we're, you know, we're talking about sort of meeting the customer where they are, we had um, some terrific response to some advanced men's product that we have out there. So a much slimmer leg, um, destroy, paint splatter, um, one, um, one style that's red. And so what we did is, and we've actually repurposed existing inventory. And we took about 1,800 units of existing, um, uh, this particular fit, the slim fit, and we destroyed, paint splattered, and we did this. And I, I named this um, this project. In other words, pulling back inventory from some of our stores, taking the ATS that's sitting in the warehouse, destroying, paint splattering, and we did it within three and a half weeks. And I titled it Operation Dynamo. So it was all hands on deck. How quickly can we execute? Um, and, and we got it done. And we're actually shipping. These, these bottoms will go live on our site. 
um, next week. And we're shipping to, um, we have one major customer who really committed to this and where they're seeing this business happen. Um, we will be shipping next week. So uh, again, just meeting the customer where they are and, and, and moving quickly. Yes. It sounds like almost a return to your roots. I was going to say, for those who don't know Seven for All Mankind, if you could walk us through the evolution a bit, but I think of your, how you started as being very like fashion denim, like it made a statement that that was your, your fashion. It wasn't meant to blend or to be, you know, a basic. Right. So um, Seven was launched. This is our 20 year anniversary in, in 2000 and the founders, it, it was really innovative. I would say that innovation is the foundation of Seven for All Mankind. It continues to be sort of our guiding light. It's one of our pillars in our mission statement. Innovation, big ideas. So it was launched based on using better fabrics, so premium denim, um, and a really um, unique fit that didn't currently exist in the market. Matter of fact, premium denim didn't exist. Seven really launched this category. Um, So premium denim. And a fit, which you know most women um, would know, and that was our original boot. So a lower rise and um, a boot cut leg. And so to celebrate our anniversary this year, we actually brought that exact fit in our original fabric, which we call the 080. Um, we brought it back to celebrate our anniversary, and um, that was our first sustainable um, effort. So um, 080 was certified organic cotton. The hardware was recyclable and it was a, a clean wash process. So um, it really just brought us back to our roots. It was a really exciting way to celebrate our anniversary. And we're really, really proud um, of that. And, you know, more importantly, um, you know, it really was the perfect um, launch to our sustainability um, efforts. And, you know, it's something that we're extremely, extremely committed to. Okay, hold up. 080, lower rise. Is it true our low rise jeans, low rise pants coming back? <laughs> Well, you know, what what we see happening, um, and I think part of this is driven by, again, customer demand right now. She's looking for something more comfortable. So um, we're seeing demand for more of a, a, for what I call an alternative to a skinny, meaning a more um, generous leg opening. So think straight, think relaxed boyfriend. And what you'll see over the next six to 12 months is um, even exaggerated legs. So an exaggerated boot. We have a um, um, high. Um, we have a high waist prop straight coming in spring. So alternative legs, um, varying from um, straight boyfriend to exaggerated boot. And we have we have some fantastic fits that we'll be launching throughout the, the year next year to really um, drive these drive this alternative leg trend. Yes, you mentioned some styles that you were fast tracking for spring. How do you guys think of seasonality? Is it that some some styles, you know, are, I guess, evergreen, they, they're always in the assortment? And are you sticking for the others to that, I guess, four times a year, however many times a year? So, you know, obviously we, we have an advantage in premium denim versus the other categories of women's apparel in that um, a, a, a significant portion of our product is seasonless, right? So, you know, a great um, straight leg, blue denim and blue bottom and a medium wash is is seasonless, right? It's year round. Um, And of course the seasonal nature of business would be white. Um, It would be some of the, um, you know, the coating that we ship in fall and holiday, which has a more fall like feeling. Um, And then of course we do some holiday specific product. Um, And, you know, as we're designing into holiday next year, I call it return to life pants, right? (laughs) So 
you know, because we believe that there'll be a pent up demand next year to really, you know, celebrate the holidays, given what everyone's gone through this year. So um, there's certain, you know, there's certainly seasonal pieces to what we do, particularly because we do offer a lot of fashion product. Um, but, but a big portion of our business, fortunately, is seasonless. Now, we do know that the customer, um, you know, frequents our stores, frequents our site, frequents our customers' stores and sites um, often. And so we do need to offer a certain amount of newness to keep her, you know, to keep her happy and to keep her engaged. Yes. The idea of return to life pants, like, gives me life. That's so exciting. Anyway. <laughs> return to life. That's what I've coined it. Um, return to life. <laughs> right on. Well, you briefly mentioned sustainability. I know, you know, denim has a bad name in terms of being um, a wasteful, I guess maybe, how did how has it been labeled? The most wasteful uh, style in fashion or something to that effect. I know you're making uh, a lot of progress here. What's going on? Yes. So um, we premium denim has probably earned that name over um, time. So um, we launched our, first of all, um, I joined the company at the end of last summer. And, um, you know, there's tremendous will within the organization and the team members to move um, towards sustainability. Um, I felt that we needed an outside expert to help us really build out a robust roadmap that where our, what we were measuring ourselves against was quantifiable. So we didn't know what that was. So we we hired an expert. His name was Michael Sadowski, and we're, we're still working with him. Um, so he helped us build out um, a comprehensive roadmap with three pillars, materials, manufacturing, and mankind, um, with clear criteria but criteria that we are going towards and driving towards. Um, so we launched, officially launched our sustainability platform in March of this year, again, another celebration of our anniversary um, and what we plan to do or what we, what we are, um, have gone public with and our goal is to overachieve this is that 80% of our product, um, will fall under our seven fall sustainable for all mankind umbrella by 2023. Um, the reason, and I think that our percentage will be higher, um, by then. And the only thing that's really slowing us down, quite frankly, is, um, our, our existing raw materials. And I'm just, yeah. I'm being very, you know, very, um, honest. Um, all new materials we work with fit our criteria. Yes. Um, and, you know, that's that's where we are. We feel very comfortable there. Um, we do need to work through what we currently own. Um, because, again, if we don't, then it's waste. And we, we, we can't waste because that's not sustainable. Um, so as we move through our raw materials, we will cycle into um, basically what will likely be 95% sustainable uh, materials. Um, we're also working closely with our manufacturing base um, to make sure that their um, processes um, improve, that they continually improve, that their HIG-FEM scores, which is really the basis of how we're sort of, um, how we're, um, I don't, judging is not the right word, how we're measuring our, the health of our manufacturing processes, um, yeah. that their scores are continually improving, um, that we don't claim sustainability unless their scores are at a certain level. Um, so again, work in progress. Um, we're very committed. I believe that we will overachieve our percentage by 2023. Um, and it, so it's an exciting time for us to have this goal that everyone's marching towards. And then we are launching phase two in Q1 of 2021. Um, again, we will establish a roadmap um, for packaging, recycling, um, which we think is an important next step. So, you know, we can't have sustainable fabric and, you know, manufactured in a sustainable environment and then use a lot of plastic. 
Yes. <laughs> um, so that that's really sort of completing the 360 um, of our sustainability um, efforts that's coming. That's awesome. I've heard some things regarding uh, department stores and wholesale partners uh, still requiring like the plastic on individual styles and the hangers and all of that are, I don't know, is that, is that a hurdle? Um, so yes. Um, and as we, we're both smiling. Um, so as we build out our roadmap and, and, and clearly understand what we need to do, um, we will partner with, you know, all of our customers and, um, you know, with a, with a proposal, what needs to change? What can we all do better? So um, my immediate instinct is, yes, it's a hurdle, uh, but I can't quantify that. And when I can, then we'll, you know, have those strategic conversations. That makes sense. Talk about your existing materials, the state of your inventory. Uh, what were the, was the pandemic effects on, uh, I guess, on leftover excess goods? Well, so we um, obviously... We had quite a lot of excess goods. Um, where we were able to respond was, um, you know, obviously the sort of the pandemic really hit sort of its apex in you know March, April. So um, the seasons where we had a lot of product were spring and summer, and we were really able to respond to fall demand in time to to scale back. Um, so we did a number of different things with primarily the summer inventory. Um, some of it we repurposed and we will ship in and resort in spring one and summer of 21. Um, and the same is true to an extent for spring. Um, you know, we also have um, really strong relationships with, you know, our off-price wholesale customers. Um, we do have um, outlet stores ourselves, and that will be another, you know, exhaust channel. Um, some of that product will be repurposing in terms of, as I mentioned to you, with Operation Dynamo. Um, you will find creative ways to utilize that product um, so that it doesn't go to waste. Um, so it's been um, it, it's been an interesting challenge. Um, you know, I, I, it's yeah, somewhat definitely painful. Um, but we do anticipate actually finishing the year with less inventory than the same time last year. So it's right. really a, it's really a tribute to the team um, and how we've been able to pivot to you know to tackle this challenge. Yes. Let's talk about the year in general, maybe where you've had a cutback, maybe where you wind, you've wound up in terms, um, in comparison to the projections. Well, for, from a, from a revenue standpoint, the year has been devastating, of course, you know, particularly, um, Q2, yeah. you know, everyone's was drastically impacted. Our e-commerce business continues to be extremely strong. Um, we were though, of course, impacted with both our customers and in our own retail fleet with, you know, retail, you know, footsteps. Yeah. Um, we have seen, you know, steady double digit, digit increase compared to Q2 throughout Q3. Um, we actually will, um, you know, so we're on forecast in terms of what we expected. It's certainly not where we want to be, but we are seeing gradual improvement. Yes. Um, you know, we had some traffic drive, driving measures that we had launched last Q4, which have been truncated. We really, you know, started sort of an, an event format to really become a part of the community. Um, you know, we obviously can't pick back, you know, can't go back to that until, you know, we feel safe for our employees and also for our customers. Yeah. But, you know, we're certainly, um, the teams are really working on clienteling and creative ways of getting to their customers and getting products to their customers in a way that's safe for everyone. Um, so difficult year, but we are starting to see some recovery. 
Um, and, you know, we, we just try to be realistic about, um, you know, uh, about the expectations so that we, you know, we can plan appropriately. Yes. Do I have it right that you ha- currently have 55 retail locations and what percentage, what's the breakdown of the full price versus the outlet stores? Full price is about 60%. Okay, great. Talk to me. Are the outlet stores seeing more traction right now? Is, are, is the consumer price conscious as you would think? Yes. So um, we're seeing more traction in outlet. The trend there is about 10 to 15 points better than full price. However, convert, this is what's really interesting. The people that are walking in, they ha- they're going in with intent to buy. Our conversion is up double digits to after. So um, they're going in with intent to buy. Totally. And you know, our, our associates, obviously, are laser focused on giving a great experience when they walk in the door because every customer is so valuable. Yes. Have you changed your, I guess, thought process or approach to stores? Are you um, rethinking maybe locations? Are you rethinking the purpose of the store in general? Well, even, you know, Jill, even before the pandemic, you know, as I mentioned to you, we we launched this sort of event community outreach format, you know, um, really starting to train our people to um, reach out to their top clients and say, hey, you know, let us host your charity event. Um, you know, to really try to, number one, drive traffic, but to build relationships and to become part of the community. So we will pivot back to that. Um, I do think that retailers, um, you know, with brick and mortar locations will have to work harder than ever before. But some of that was true really for the pandemic, you know, with the strength of e-com, you know, brick and mortar has been, has been a challenging channel for some time. So, um, we were starting to sort of go the extra mile and really building out this format last Q4. We'll pivot back to that when it's safe. I do think we're also really working on our clientele initiatives. Um, we just launched a training module for our store um, team members called 7FAMU, um, a really robust training module um, to really work on their clientele. We're launching a clientele portal at the end of the year, a, a, you know, a, a platform that we've never had before. Um, so we're we're really trying to um, to build up our client base, have a systemic way for our team members to you know monitor their their books, yeah. um, because I do think we will have to work harder than ever before. I do think also the customer does want that human contact. Yes, and um, and I think even and especially so after we have a vaccine and people feel safe again, really you know looking for that connection. I think we all feel it. I don't know about you, but you know, the first time we got together with friends, of course, outside, you know, with our mask on, it was, I, I called it chicken soup for the soul, yes. right? You just, it was that, that, that lack of sort of human connection we've all probably felt. So I do think, again, when people start to feel safe again, we will see people walking back in and we have to make sure at seven that we are giving our clients a great experience and that they really feel like they're part of our family and that part of the community. And so that's yes. really our goal, to build community. Let's take a quick break. You've talked about in the past um, the impact of tourism, in particular oh. on your Soho store. Um, is that particular to that store? Is that a widespread challenge? Yeah. So what we're seeing, and it's it's very clear, and this is what I've heard from, from every contact you know, I've spoken to in our industry, um, we've seen really um, pretty dramatic recovery in certain markets. So what I call more suburban markets, uh, where we're less, we're more dependent on local traffic. Okay. Um, really, where the chain is suffering is in you know 
very urban areas, i.e. Manhattan, um, and um, our, st- our stores in, and locations that are heavily dependent on tourism. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's sort of like, it's not a head scratcher. It's, yeah. it, it, it would seem pretty obvious, um, but it's very clear with our numbers. So again, you know, um, we've seen, you know, a, um, a nice progression in terms of improvement, but particularly in suburban markets and much slower in, in you know, tour, tourists and, um, you know, urban markets. Yes. Breakdown yeah. of wholesale versus direct to consumer. Uh, is that in a happy place? Or are you moving more direct? Well, our direct consumer business as a percent of our portfolio is, is relatively high. It's about 55%. So, nice. um, you know, in our e-commerce business, that penetration continues to grow, of course. Um, it's in a healthy place now, but we'll continue to grow as a percentage. Yeah. As a penetration. Yeah. yeah. What wholesale partner makes sense for you? What wholesale partner? Well, we have a, we have a number of wholesale partners. Yeah. Um, you know, and we we have strong relationships. You know, obviously we work with um, you know a number of major department stores. Um, you know, the largest um, you know e commerce sites. Um, and you know, we really value those partnerships and work really really closely with those partners. And um, you know, we certainly have everyone's had to get really creative during this this time period. And um, you know, we've all kind of just gotten through this together. And you know, yes. as, I, as I say, the show will go on, right? This is, yes. a, this is a moment in time. And it's interesting because certainly you, you hate that a, that a pandemic, it, um, it, it does shine, a, it, it shines a spotlight on our, our weaknesses, you know, our weaknesses, whether it's an industry or, or even as our, as a company. Um, and in doing so, you really, it's an opportunity to address those things and to innovate and to evolve and do things better. Yes. So. Yeah. Speaking of some change, I know um, your campaign, your recent campaign, um, it was really a departure from what you've done in the past. Talk to me about that. Well, you know, we're very, very proud of this campaign. Um, it was our first ever global campaign. Um, and so we shot in, um, in New York, Dallas, London, and Berlin. And we um, shot for the first time our cast were regular people. And regular people, I, I, that's probably not the right term. They're not models. They're not celebrities. They are real people doing meaningful life work. So as an example, um, one of our cast members is the CEO of Philanthropist. Um, you know, our cast member is a, is a couple in Berlin and they're both environmentalists or, you know, she does, she is a, a, a sustainable jewelry designer uh, yeah. and he's an environmental specialist. So um, you know, really, we we wanted to do something different in this campaign, something that really reflects our values. Um, and so, as I mentioned, it was titled "We Are Made for This," and it was really about these cast members um, speaking to values. Um, you know, we felt like a glossy sort of soulless campaign. It just it didn't it didn't resonate with us, and we didn't think yeah. that it would resonate with with our customers. So, again, real people contributing to the world. And, and we're, we're very, very proud of it. And we're continuing the same platform through holiday. Yeah. And where do you roll that out? What social platforms? Was it on TV? Where do we see that? So you'll see it everywhere from, um, you know, our, our store windows, yeah. um, our website, um, of course, all of our social media um, channels through um, our media. It, it's everywhere, right? Yeah. Images, video, um, you know, we, we, we also augment our campaigns with, you know, social specific, um, creative. Um, so 
Um, did you see it everywhere? And, you know, that's intentional. And yeah. within the campaign, we really focused on, we let our cast members, you know, pick, um, pick product. You know, we sort of directed them, but um, with an effort of focusing on our two big ideas for fall, one in men's, which was tech seven, tech seven, and in women's, it was our coded program. So um, again, two programs, big ideas, innovative that we're really, really proud of. And you see that reflected in the campaign as well. So not only are we proud of the campaign from a value standpoint, but it was very targeted and focused on specific product that we really wanted to storytell around. Yes. Is there a specific, I guess, lever in the marketing realm that you pull that, that's really working to drive uh, acquisition, drive sales? What's working now? You know, I'd have to say it's probably more 360. You know, I, I wouldn't yeah. say there's one single um, you know, medium that, that's, you know, driving the entire season. I have to right. say it's more of a 360. You know, we're trying Insta Live for the first time. Um, this season, you know, we have Giphy's that we launched in spring and we're, um, we've launched that this, this fall too. So, you know, we're certainly trying to do creative things, um, you know, with this great top content that we have, um, you know, but our, our engagement is really strong on Instagram and, and, um, Facebook. So we do think that our customer is, and we're measuring this, obviously, um, the longer the campaign runs, the more information we have. Um, because we we think it should resonate and we believe that the data will tell us that the customer is is responding. Yes. Let's talk holiday. Uh, a yes. holiday unlike any other. Uh, did you start early in terms of marketing? What are your expectations? Yes. You know, I, I said I was joking that um, I said well, we might as well just include Halloween in this, you know, in this holiday strategy. So um, we're actually um, finalizing our all of our plans on Monday um, with my team. So we obviously have all of our campaign assets um, in work. And um, so we're finalizing our strategy. You know, we really will be in terms of, the, you know, tactics, um, but we will really be talking about um, comfort, gifting, um, you know, family relationships. And, um, that's what we think people want, 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 but that's what they're thinking about, right? They're thinking about, um, connection. And so, um, you know, we do know that people are still spending a lot of time at home, um, yep. that we'll continue um, to talk about, you know, sort of our comfort, um, messaging. Um, but at the same time, we also know people will be getting out maybe smaller gatherings, maybe, you know, small outdoor dinners or, um, so, and we certainly have product that's appropriate for both for those that are staying home, meaning very comfortable. They want to, they want to look good, but again, comfort is key. Uh, yeah. Joggers. And quite frankly, Jill, you know, you and I have talked about this with our coded product. Um, you know, to me, it's the perfect work from home, small dinner gathering, or, um, you know, having a small group of family members, um, in for the holiday because, it looks very polished. It looks like leather, but but it feels like your most comfortable jean because we we coat two of our most comfortable fabrics, our, our nice. two most comfortable fabrics. So we have the comfort covered. We have the celebratory covered with that with our coating group. Um, but we do have some true holiday product in our tops and also in our bottoms. So you know, again, they may be smaller gatherings, but we, we think people will still want to you know to celebrate and um, to dress. So we have them covered from sort of A to Z. Um, nice. From a from a gifting standpoint and messaging standpoint, comfort, gifting, family, and then of course with our Tech Seven program, um, we think it's the perfect gift for him. And yes. my favorite thing to do is, um, you know, we've had some of our team members, you know, 
pour red wine on the khaki tech seven pants, you know, and post on Insta. And, you know, the response is like, whoa, what do you mean? <laughs> and so, you know, so we were joking that our tagline for him is you can take him anywhere in these, yeah. the perfect gift for, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Cute. So, you know, we think it's the, the perfect gifting um, item. He can spill anything on it and just, it rolls right off. They pack beautifully. So um, we feel like we have some really good gift options this year. Amazing. Are they going to, your customer going to wait to shop till you give them I don't know, a fat discount. Are discounts going to be long-term? Well, um, I do think the season and, 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 you know, we are preparing for this will be promotional. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, um, it's been a difficult year for many people economically and there's still a lot of uncertainty. Um, and we know that and we're, you know, sensitive to it. So, um, you know, we, as I said from the beginning, we want to meet our customer where they are. And then certainly meet their needs. And we want, you know, people to be able to wear seven for all mankind for the holidays and gift it for the holidays. So, um, you know, we really try to read customer demand and we'll respond accordingly. Definitely. Are you anticipating um, logistical challenges? Is anything with shipping and all of that, is there anything that you can do to prepare? Yes. So we are preparing for that. Um, We'll certainly be messaging, you know, Hey, you know, we always message what our shipping cutoff is, but we have some sort of some stopgap safety measures that we're going to deploy that last week. Um, so we're very cognizant of it. We know that it may be a problem. We want to remind our customers of that so that they're not surprised. And I think most people are, are, are thinking that way. Yeah. So, you know, we really want to try to get to our customers early um, so that, you know, they're, they're not disappointed because the last thing we want to do is disappoint someone. Yes. Last question. You've told me in the past about, you know, it's it's a tough year to say the least. Um, you've been doing some great things, to, I guess, in support of your team to yeah. ensure their growth, to ensure they feel valued. Talk to me about this program you're working on. Yeah, so the program is called 7U, so think 7 University. And um, so what we do is we have experts, internal experts within our company, um, do a training session for, for all of our employees. So live for X number of our employees who can attend and then it's taped. Um, and put on our HR portal for, you know, for example, for store team members who are with a customer and can't, and can't listen or watch live. Um, so, for example, my CMO presented Social Media 101. Um, you know, my uh, men's um, design director presented um, Tech7. So it was product knowledge on Tech7. Um, you know, my head of um, denim wash is, is doing wash 101. So, um, you know, my HR director did interviewing 101. So it's really an opportunity for our employees. Number one is great for those who are presenting. That's a great learning and development opportunity. Um, the second thing is it's really a way to um, educate our employees, to help them grow, to give them information, to um, I think it makes them stronger contributors, but it's also good for their personal growth. And, you know, we had a great response. Um, you know, attendance is really strong. You know, I ask my leaders to really support their team members and encourage them, hey, I know you're busy, but please take this hour out of your day and, and attend. And so it's been really meaningful. I really look forward to them because I always walk away very, very proud of my team members. The ones who have presented have been extremely impressive. So it's a program that we um, we will um, we're very committed to. I think people are getting a lot out of it, and is something that's really great for employee engagement. Yes, you mentioned um, with your new campaign the fact that it's you know more inclusive and diverse, and um, it's 
a little outside of the box. Is your in-house, is your, would you say your, your team, your employees are um, looking for, I guess, I don't know, you to be more vocal in terms of your values. Do you, do you, are they also demanding, um, I guess, a statement on diversity? What's, what's been happening in-house as everything's, again, been stressful? Well, you know, after the George Floyd tragedy, um, I created a diversity and inclusion task force. And so those team members pulled together, um, you know, educational materials for both our internal teams and us to share externally, you know, and it took some time. We weren't posting this, you know, two days after it happened, because quite frankly, we're not experts. You know, I, I, I wasn't going to post something that wasn't thoroughly vetted and carefully thought through. So, um, you know, we've shared, um, shared some of those reading materials, again, internally, thoroughly, and then externally as well. Um, our team members also helped vet um, some charitable um, organizations that we would like to donate to. That is going to end up dovetailing um, with, um, we're actually um, finalizing um, cause partnerships for 2021. So one of our pillars in our mission statement um, as we move into 2021 is um, cause. And okay. so um, we've been working with an outside consultant to help us sort of narrow um, our focus as we plan to launch, you know, a cause partnership in 2021. So we're really, really excited about that. And some of our um, DNI work um, will likely dovetail with one of our potential partners in our cause platform. So, um, you know, again, that's been really meaningful work. And we're really, really excited about where where we're going in 21. You know, for the first time ever, our team members will have volunteer time off. Um, and we're actually going to going to grant that this Q4 and hope, you know, we'll do some holiday, you know, gift wrapping and, and things for families in need. And um, it will be more meaningful in 2021. You know, obviously everyone would like to do things in person. Yes. What that will look like, we don't know quite yet, um, but it's something that we're really, really committed to. Can you share your other pillars for 2021 cause and what else? Well, cause, sustainability, um, innovation and big ideas and customer engagement and loyalty. So those are really our four pillars of our mission statement. So you know, we're, we've laid the foundation. Um, some of it is part of our DNA, which, you know, really the innovative part is part of our DNA. And um, we're really working hard on the other things too. Yes. Well, here yeah. is to a better year as we yes. return to life. I love that. <laughs> return to life. I'm, you know, really looking forward to it. I know you are too. Right on. Thank you, Suzanne. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, was so nice to see you. I really enjoyed talking to you. That's all for this episode, which was produced by Pierre Bienname. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please head to the review section on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast to give us a rating and tell us what you think. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast. <laughs>